Um, I, I admit, for the last couple of weeks, I've been, I've been a little bit at war in my spirit, looking for exactly what God wanted me to, to bring tonight. I know uh, for the last few weeks that he'd been seriously laying on my heart this idea of prayer, um, the importance of it, and I'd been studying a, a group of different passages, and no matter what, I couldn't ever quite get one that I was really, like I, I felt like God wanted me to preach that. Um, and then last week on Sunday, when, when Phil uh, brought his message, one of the things he mentioned was, a message has to first affect the preacher before it affects the audience. And struck with that and really pondering on it for the week, I, um, uh, it took me a few days, I'll be honest, but um, by the time the before, this week was done, God had gotten me to a place where I was, I was ready to listen and where I was ready to apply what he was teaching me to my own life before I bring it here. So I, I pray that this message would be as much of a uh, blessing to you as it has been to me. Um, and I also just pray that um, I'll actually be able to communicate it clearly because I know that's something I definitely struggle with. So why don't we open up in a, a word of prayer and we'll see what the Lord has for us tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the time that I've been able to spend in your word, Lord, for the truths that you've showed me, and Lord, now for the opportunity to teach it unto your church. Father, I do not take this time uh, lightly, and Father, I pray that you would be with my words, Lord, that you would give me uh, understanding and uh, clarity of words, Lord, that I might be able to clearly and uh, effectively communicate your truths unto these people. Father, would you bless me, and would you be with the congregation today, Lord, would you convict us, and try us with your holy word, I pray. Amen. Amen. So looking at this idea of prayer, I, I want us to first consider prayer can be a lot of things to a lot of different people to, and, in a different, and, in, and in different circumstances. Prayer can be at sometimes a, a request to God for something that we'd like. Prayer can at times be even a cry for help to God. Sometimes our prayers can merely be an acknowledgement of something that God has done or that something that God is doing. Or sometimes we even just use prayers as a way of, of merely thanking God for something that he has done. Um, but ultimately, at the centre of what prayer is, prayer is access to God, access to his power, to his abilities. Prayer is our way as mortals, as the creature to commune with our Creator through, obviously, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and then the Holy Spirit. But when we, when we think about prayer, though, I think it is important that before we carry on and before we, we go to our passage here in Matthew, that we first consider who it is that we're praying to, who it is that we are making request of. You know, we serve the God of the Bible, the God of reality. We serve an Acts 17, 24 God. And I'll just read it for you. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with human hands. You know, we serve a God not of our own creation, but that he is our creator. We serve a God that is master of heaven and earth and everything in between. 
He, by, his, by his very word, he spoke and all of creation just was. And when he speaks again, all of creation will cease to be. Our God is this God. Our God possesses all knowledge. In Psalm 147, verse 5, the Bible says this, Great is our God, is our Lord, and of great power, his understanding is infinite. Our God is Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. You know, he's not affected, he is not constrained, he is not limited by time, by matter, by our human understanding. He is the Lord God Almighty. There is no equal to him. And when we pray to him, it is important that before we do anything, before we, we, we do our Christian life, before we do the things that we know Christians ought to do, that we remember who it is that we are serving, who it is that we make requests to. A God so powerful that even our world to him is a mere footstool, Isaiah 66 verse 1. Now, I think it's important that we remind ourselves of these things before we carry on with this, with this time here in God's Word. We need a proper view of who it is that we're asking. We're asking the Lord God without equal, God overall. And having a mindset of Him as our God, as our King, we have a foundation point where we can build up and we can now seek and consider the things that God has for us. This very same God, this God that created the earth and everything in between, this Lord God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, I think sometimes we can, as Christians, we can gloss over the fact that he is all of this or perhaps we go the opposite direction. Perhaps all we think about God is we think about him as a cosmic being, as this great powerful one, and we forget that our God is actually a deeply intimate and personal invested God in his creation. You know, the Lord Jesus is God himself, this all-powerful being made flesh for no other reason than for his creation. I mean, we sing songs about it, but we can scarcely understand what that really means for that God to lower himself to our level. You know, we can get more... Um, not only did the Lord Jesus come in the person and die for us on the cruel cross, but if you have a look in Matthew chapter 6... We'll have a look at our passage here today. We'll have a look that not only did God come once to do something good for us, not only did he love us once, but that he loves us daily and that he cares for us and provides for us from day to day. Now, our God is a very caring God. And I want to take the time, if we can read in Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses 25, and I'll read just to the end of the chapter. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, 
nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass, clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and the morrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You know, Jesus is giving us a sneak peek into the mind of God, into the mind of how our Lord God Almighty views us and how he views his creation. You know, our God provides for his creation. Every plant Every animal, whether it's the lilies or the birds, everything God cares for. And yet, funnily enough, there's no creature that worries more about what what we need, what we want, than us. Even though this God who cares even for the least of his creation, we are always so worried about stuff. In verse 30 Jesus says, Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and the morrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? Jesus is saying, How is it that his people, how is it that my people, his children, the ones who should know how much I, your God, provide for you, how is it that you are the first to forget that I take care of you just like I take care of them? How is it that my people forget? You know, we worry even though God has already provided us with everything that we could possibly need. You know, God is not ignorant about what we need. It says in verse um, 32, for after all these things do the Gentiles see, God knows our every need. He is not ignorant. He is caring And Jesus is saying, don't you understand that you're far more valuable to me, that I love you far more and I will provide far more for you than I will for the lilies? And even Solomon wasn't arrayed like one of them. You know, I have, the Lord Jesus is saying, I have prepared for you everything that you could possibly need. And as God, outside of time, knowing our end of our life from the beginning to the end, He has prepared for us everything that we could possibly need forever. For our entire life, he already has it prepared. Everything that is good, everything we could need, God has already laid it out, kind of like a path for us. A path on which, on each and every step, God has exactly what we need. Only thing is, though, if we do it his way. You know, if we do it his way, we could have a life 
full of all the things that we could possibly need. But there's only one catch that we do it his way. In verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. In other words, don't do it your way. Don't lean to your own understanding. Do it the ways I have said. Seek first the things of me and everything else I will take care of. You know, if only we'd do it God's way, we could have a life full of love. We could have a life full of peace, a life full of joy. I mean, imagine it, to be able to be joyful despite the circumstance, to be able to have these things because when we walk in the path that God has for us, when we walk down the, the way that God has already prepared for us, we're walking in the Spirit. And when we walk in the Spirit, we reap the fruits of the Spirit. You know, Jesus is teaching us that there is there's no need to be concerned about the things that will come to pass. That if only we would today put him first, he would work it all out. But we have to seek him first. It's the only problem in our mind when we come up to this, this great, God's going to give me a get-out-of-jail-free, I can get all the things that I could possibly need, but you've got to seek him first. It requires not doing what you think. It requires not doing what you want. It requires putting him first and his ways above your own. You know, it requires us trusting that when God says, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts, that we are willing to submit to that, that we are willing to come underneath him and do it his way. You know, it requires when God withholds the very next step on our path, that instead of us just continuing on, that instead we stop and we ask him, Lord, what's the next step? I will not take another step for I seek you first. I seek your kingdom. I seek the things you're about before any other thing. What do you want? You know, sometimes in the Christian life, God never, or at least in my life, I've never seen God reveal more than about one or two steps in front. And it's for a very simple reason. God wants us to have faith in him. He wants to grow our faith. He wants us to seek him first, to seek his kingdom, and then he will continue to reveal. You know, God wants us to have the sort of faith that when he says something, we take, it, we take him at his word. You know, if God were to say, if you ask for something, I will give it to you, do you believe it? Do you actually believe it when God says, you ask, I'll give it? Well, why don't we have a look in chapter, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. That's exactly what you seek. And Jesus says to his people, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. You know, not only in God's perfect plan is he willing to provide everything that we need, but he is also willing to answer our requests. You know, if we ask... He says, plain and simply, in no uncertain terms, that he'll give it. If we seek, we will find. 
If we knock, he will open. In verse 8, the very next one. For every one that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. You know what? Just in case there was any room for doubt, everyone. There has never been one who asked and God did not answer. There has never been one that knocked and God did not open. And to further this, Jesus is then going to go on to clarify that this is actually the way he works in a story of a father and a son. And I'll read on from verses 9 to 11. Or what man is there of you whom if his son ask, will he give him a stone? Can I just ask, is there any dads in this room? If your son asks you, Dad, can I have a sandwich? Would you give him a rock? Or what man is there of you, if his son asks bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will give him a serpent? Is there any mums here that if their daughter asked, can I have a piece of steak, you'd give him a snake? I, don't, I at least would certainly hope that that would not be the case. And funnily enough, Jesus knows that that's actually the way it is. That people actually don't do that. In verse 11, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Yeah, so Jesus is saying here that um, if, if we as evil creatures, as we as fallen people, if we even know how to do something good for someone, then how much more so would God? If we in our fallen state who are selfish, prideful, self-serving, if we can still, when our children or those we love would come to us and ask us for something, if we can be nice then when we come over here and we have a look at God, who is always selfless, who is always loving, who is always looking for our best, then how much more would he give us good? How much more would God, who has never had a bad intention? Now, I think sometimes we fall into the trap that I ask God for something, so why didn't he give it to me? You know, I asked God for this particular wife and he didn't give it to me. You know, I asked God, I sought him for an answer and he didn't answer. I knocked and God did not give me that, op- that job opportunity. Why, why, why? I mean, didn't he just say that if we would ask, he would give it? If we would seek, we would find. If we would knock, and then he would even go on to say, and no one has ever knocked sought after, asked, and has not found. Why wouldn't he? Can I say very simply, it's because God does not give stones when we ask for bread. God does not give evil gifts to those who ask him. God does not reveal harmful things to those that seek. God does not open doors 
of harm to those that knock. You know, God gives only good gifts to his children. You know, at times in our limited understanding, we ask God for a piece of bread, but really we're asking for a stone. You know, at times we can... I'll, I'll give you a good example. I have, I have a, a niece. I have a, a number of nieces. And when a few years ago, when they were a, a lot younger, we had a bunch of lemons out. I believe we were most likely making cheesecake because it's about the only time we use lemons. And everybody loves cheesecake. And as we're there and we have this lemon, we're pouring it onto the cheesecake, my little niece comes up and she looks at the lemon and she goes, hmm, lemon goes with cheesecake. Cheesecake is always yummy. Lemon, therefore, must be yummy. Give me lemon. And me, as a less than good uncle, I respond to her request and give her said lemon. And her in probably like her two teeth sink it in into the flesh and to the skin. And she finds out pretty quickly that what she thought was good actually was not as good as she thought it was. And my point is, is that so often we go to God and we say, Lord, I want this piece of bread. I want this wife. I want this job. I want this thing. And God, who actually knows a lot more than we do, whose understanding far surpasses anything that we could possibly see, he looks at that and he says, no. You asked for what you thought was bread, but really it's a stone. So instead, and this is just the goodness of God, he instead gives us what we actually wanted. He gives us the bread. But sadly, as his children, we can then have the audacity to say, but I wanted that one. But that's the one that I asked for. And didn't you say that you would, you would answer my every request? Well, sorry. But God gives good gifts to his children. He does not give evil gifts. Every good thing cometh from the Lord. James 1.17 Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. You know, we have a good God who gives good gifts to those who ask Him. You know, our God has written in His Word, Ask, and it shall be given you. And you know what? Our God does not repent or change his mind of what he said. Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall, it, shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and he shall not make it good? You know, if you've asked for something according to his plan, that good path that he has already laid out for you with everything that you need and everything that he already knows is beneficial for you, if you would ask for things on that path, every time he would answer. You know, if you've sought the heart of God, if you've, if you've sought him to find that this is his path for me, and then God actually comes through 
You have sought for him, you have prayed to him, and he actually comes through and he answers. Why is it that so often we're actually surprised when God comes through and he does exactly what he said he would? When someone is sick in the church and the church rallies together and they pray for them and they bring them before the throne of God and God himself heals and mends and they're miraculously better, why is it so often that the church's reaction is, oh, the chemo must have worked. Oh, they just, they just fought it off. Oh, it was by some other means that's a very skillful doctor. No, it was God, plain and simple. In chapter 6, verse 30, the Bible says this, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and the morrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye of your, of your little faith? You know, if God blesses and God provides for the creatures and all nature, why is it that his sons and daughters struggle to believe that he'd do the same thing for, for them? And you know, the answer is very simple, and Jesus even knows why, and he even tells us in the end of verse 30, O ye of little faith, because our faith fails, because we forget exactly who it is that we serve. You know, faith has two sides. Uh, sorry, prayer has two sides. Faith and prayer are the same side, uh, different sides of the same coin. You know, it, you can have prayer, but without faith, your prayer is powerless. It's just words, emptiness into space. And you can have faith, but without prayer, your faith is misplaced because you're not asking the right person. Jesus knew the people lacked faith. That's why he appeals to what we can see in verse seven, uh, in chapter seven, verses nine through eleven, with the story of even the people that you can see, they do it. Um, and you know, Jesus is saying, "Look and see. People can do good. People can do. People can answer your requests, even though they're evil. And so, so can I." And even more so. You know, I, I, I often think about those of us who have been saved for any length of time, who have seen God work time and time again with our own eyes, who have seen him come through, that we are often, sadly, the very first to doubt him, to forget the things that he has already done, to forget his mighty acts, you know, we need to remember God's good works. If we're ever going to grow our faith, we need to remember the loved ones who were sick that God healed. We need to remember that there was a time in this very place that we didn't have a pastor, that we were without and God provided, that God came through. We need to remember the good works of God because if we don't, when something worse comes along down the road, when something that requires even more faith to ask God for, if we, have all, if we have forgotten the things he has already done, when a greater challenge comes, our faith will fail and we'll faint and we'll lean unto our own understanding and sadly we will bear the weight of that foolishness. But if we remember that he is a tender God, 
that he is touched with the feeling of our infirmities, if we would only remember and consider who it is, our faith could be strengthened. And our faith being strengthened, our prayers before him could be strengthened. Our prayer life. Now we took the time at the beginning of this message to consider who it is that we serve. That we serve the great I am, the Lord God Almighty. But I think we also need to consider the things that he has done and the things that he is doing. You know, the moment we take our eyes off of him and what he has done, very quickly the Christian life devolves into a show, which is precisely what Jesus has been addressing all throughout chapter 6. He's been addressing the hypocrisies of people who put on a show of godliness. In chapter 6, verse 5, um, Jesus, Jesus calls out this idea of praying to be seen of others. I wonder how many of us fall guilty of this very thing, coming to church just to be seen as holy. I know I've certainly done it. I mean, we've, we've probably all, at some time or another, asked God, not really asking him from our heart. You know, we're, we're probably all said, uh, thank you, Lord, amen, just because we're in a group setting, not because we're actually thankful. You know, maybe, maybe you're better than me. Maybe you have never in your life put on a show of godliness, for others at least, but maybe you've done it for yourself. Maybe you've done it just to, to quickly read through a passage to tick that box of Christianity. Maybe you've prayed to God and your heart was far from him. In verse, chapter 6, verse 7, Jesus warns about the use of vain repetition in prayer. Chapter 6, verse 16, don't fast for show. The moment people take their eyes off of God, the moment we begin to forget the things that God has done and the things that he is doing, our Christianity becomes a show. We lose the power of it. Now, all these things are coming just because we took our eyes off of him. I challenge us tonight, church, remember what God has done in your life and let it affect and strengthen your faith so that when you pray, you can pray believing Chapter 7, verse 7. Believing that he will actually answer. I believe that the same God who 2,000 years ago rose up 12 disciples who went to, whom he sent to the four corners of the world to preach and that saw untold thousands, if not millions, be saved. I believe God is still wanting to do that even today. I believe that that very same God who sent them is sending us. And I think the only difference between us and 2,000 years ago is that his people actually believed that he could do that. And the moment we stopped praying, the moment we stopped praying to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into his vineyard, 
we stopped being willing to answer the call that he put on us. I know that's certainly true in my life. You know, if we're not willing to ask our heavenly father, if we're not willing to go, if we don't have the faith to trust him, we'll never do his will. Now, we, we serve a good God. But if we take our eyes off of him, we'll never live a life how God would have us to live. We'll never... If we don't believe that God is a good God, if we don't really believe it in our heart of hearts, I mean unshakably, I mean truly in the very centre of our being, if we do not believe that God will actually answer our prayers, then why would we ever want to then why would we ever live a life like chapter 7, verse 12? Therefore all things. I'll read verse 11 too. If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. You know, we'll never want to be holy if we've forgotten how holy he is. You know, we will never want to tell others about Jesus Christ if we have forgotten the things that he's already done. You know, we'll not do unto others what we'd want them to do unto us. We would not be willing to go and tell them if we take our eyes off everything that Jesus has already done. And, you know, if we won't be changed and be different and we won't tell them, what difference in us would the world see that isn't in the world? Nothing. There would be nothing different in us. Verse chap- and chapter 7, verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. You know, if the lost see no difference in us, then they will fall into the broad way because they don't know any better, because there is no light in the darkness. Verse 14, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. But if we're different, if they, when they see us, they see us walking the path that God has for us, if they see us being provided for by God, if they see us trusting him, seeking first his kingdom, if they see us on the narrow way, then how much easier would it be for us to show them that this actually is a better way, that this actually is a way that will lead to life? You know, we need to be a people walking that narrow way. So that when others see us, they're seeing the Lord Jesus in us. You know, why would we expect the world to listen and to turn from their sins and follow Jesus if we ourselves aren't following him? 
if we ourselves aren't putting first the kingdom of God. And before you go thinking that I'm just some preacher who's come to to throw some bad news at you and throw you under the bus like you're some bad Christian. If there was any other message that God would have let me preach, I would have preached it in a heartbeat. You know, I can't count the days and the months that I've been a tick-the-box Christian. A Christian for show. You know, I've been saved from a youth, from a boy... I have had access to God's power, to God's unlimited love, to his unlimited peace, to his unlimited joy. And yet the greatest majority of my life has been spent in fear, in sorrow, in confusion, in weakness, you know, it's going to take getting down on your knees and admitting that you're not enough. It's going to take believing that God is enough and then confessing with your mouth, Lord, help me. You know, we use that to, to lead others to salvation. We call it the ABCs of salvation. Admit, believe, confess. Admit, admit your sin, why is it that we take these ABCs, these core principles, that we would lead someone to salvation and then we throw them out the door once we get saved? Why is it that we're not coming back to God daily admitting, Lord, actually, I don't know the better way? But you know what? I do believe that you do know, that you are higher than, that your thoughts are higher than my thoughts and then being willing to confess, Lord, help me. You know, if we're going to strengthen our faith, if we're going to grow in our prayer life, we have to remember that we serve a mighty God, that he has a plan for each of our lives, a plan of good and not of evil. We have to remember the good works that he's already shown us, and we have to start living a life marked by faith in him. You know, a prayer life, believing he will give good if we walk by faith and not by sight. You know, if ever our faith fails, you know, we can ask. Actually, we'll, we'll turn there to Mark chapter 9. We'll turn to Mark chapter 9, if you would, in your Bibles. A little bit of context in this story. There is a father who, is, who has besought the Lord Jesus seeking help. Seeking help for his son possessed with a demon. And you can read that through verse 17. Um, we might even just read it. Verse 17. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him. And he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth, uh, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples and they, that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answered him and saith, O faithless generation, 
How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times it cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us. And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And I love this because this perfectly sums up all of how humanity needs to come before God. When Jesus saw him, disciples running, um, verse 24, And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. And Jesus, because of that, he helps his unbelief and he comes through and he saves this, this father's son. Now Jesus says that if only we would believe, anything could be possible. A challenge is tonight, church, to ask God to increase our faith. If anyone lacks faith, ask him, ask it of God. And when your faith is renewed and you can pray like you mean it again and you can walk in his paths, you'll reap the goodness of what the Lord has for us. I pray that it's been a blessing to you, church. I'll just pray now. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. Lord, I thank you for your word, Lord, for the truths in it. And Father, I pray now, Lord, that you would be with your people. Lord, that you would cause us to remember your good works, to remember your faithfulness. Lord, and that we would rest in you for our help. Father, I pray that you'd bless us here tonight, that you'd be pleased with all that is done. In your holy name, amen.